0: welcome back to another episode of the in no hurry podcast this is your host colt douglas claiborne excited to be back with another episode a rare video episode for those of you that are watching this but i'm joined this week by my wife emily this is an episode we've been talking about doing for a few weeks now and probably the episode that emily is most excited to have ever done on this podcast she's been here several times we usually talk every year on our wedding anniversary and she's been on a couple other episodes as well but this week we are talking all about books and emily's going to give you some book recommendations for this summer and some of her top reads of 2023 but first emily welcome to the show
1: thank you so much this might be as you said my most anticipated show i also may have bullied you into making me (laughs) or letting me do this episode because I know you have a lot of authors on and you have a lot of other fantastic people who have a lot of wonderful things to say, but man, I don't know if you've ever had anybody on your podcast that has just come out to make some recommendations for people for things to read. So I just want to say I'm filling a void.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this will be fun. Uh, Emily reads more than anybody that I know. And it's funny because we both read very different styles. I read mostly nonfiction and Emily reads mostly fiction. Uh, so we balance each other out, but truly this is her hobby. Uh, but I did take a break, uh, a couple, couple week break for the show. Emily and I were in Europe for a vacation at the end of May. And that was a belated five-year wedding anniversary trip for us. Something that we had been talking about really since we got married, maybe even before that. And it was just a really, really special trip. Uh, we just got back a couple weeks ago and I'm still missing eating gelato just about every day. Uh, but we went to Germany Austria, France, and Switzerland. And for me, it was really special because we got to go to Switzerland where my grandmother was born and raised. She was born and raised in Zurich. And we stayed there for a few days. Also went to Lucerne, Switzerland, which is near the Alps. That was by far my favorite part of the trip. It was so beautiful. We had such good food and I loved being in Zurich. What was your favorite part of the trip or favorite parts of the trip?
1: Well, I want to say before we talk about the trip too, what made it really special was that I studied abroad in Austria the summer between my junior and senior year of college. And I met Cole, I met you like four days, I think after I returned from that trip. And so that was a really formative time in my life. And so I have been wanting for eight years to take you back. Or to take you at all because you had never been. And so it was just really special to be back in Europe again for me personally. And then of course, for us to share that time together, but I definitely agree. Switzerland is amazing. I will always love Austria the most, just because that's where I have spent the most time and I climbed the Alps there and just had some really cool and special memories there. Uh, but Switzerland's a close second. And it was really cool to see the places that your grandmother lived.
0: Yeah, I think for me, like what was really cool about Switzerland was just like the vibe, which sounds super like Gen Z of me to say, but like mm-hmm. everybody there just seemed to be chill. And it was just such a laid back atmosphere. Any any place that I go that's by the water and there's mountains nearby, I, I, that's going be, gonna to be my favorite spot. <laughs> any place that I've gone, I, I love mountains and water. And Lucerne was beautiful. We get to take a boat trip out into uh, Lake Lucerne and saw some snow capped mountains. And there was like lush green grass at the bottom of it and obviously the water. And, uh, that was kind of an old medieval town and Zurich, obviously a lot more modern in the sense that, uh, a lot of like modern companies have their banking operations there. It's kind of the banking capital of the world, I guess, uh, But man, we ate so much gelato had so much good food. And got to see some family over there as well. And my aunt and uncle uh, live over there in Germany. And so just to see those different places, the only bad part was I got, I think, a sinus infection, I guess is what it was, allergies, something in France that was just horrible. Uh, there is a funny picture of me on the internet, if you can find it, where I'm walking around France with a tissue box in my hand. Uh, that literally was what I had to do because I could not get my nose to stop running. So that was really the only downfall of the trip. And then uh, on the way back home, traveling, uh, for being up for 24 hours, and then uh, missing the directions in Heathrow and ended up having to go through security again. So we actually went through security three times on the way back home. Uh, so that was, that was not fun, but everything else was great. We really loved the trip. Emily got to go into a really cool bookstore in Munich uh, that I'm sure she'll talk about. Uh, but I, I'm not kidding when I say I don't know anybody who loves reading more than Emily. <laughs> She's wearing a shirt, a sweatshirt that says bookish. And if there's one way that I could describe Emily, it would be bookish. I'm not quite sure what that definition is, but I would think that you would embody that.
1: It is someone who enjoys reading. Okay. So well, that is not inaccurate.
0: That's you. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, tell the listeners where you got your love for reading, because I know it was very early on. Um, I mean, I I just cannot emphasize enough. Like You all have a hobby, hopefully. You have something that you do. I, I hope that you all enjoy it as much as Emily <laughs> enjoys reading. And, and I, I, how many books did you read last year in 2022?
1: 135.
0: 135. That's like a third of the year you were reading and finishing books. So
1: one every three days. One every
0: three days. Some of y'all maybe have not read a book all year. And you know, she read 135 last year. So that's pretty pretty incredible. Well, so, i'm just saying like not everybody reads not that you have now that not that reading has to be your hobby but this is definitely your hobby and you love it and i love that for you i yes. like to read just not nearly as much
1: like to watch sports and i like to read
0: exactly yeah mm-hmm. and most of the books that i do like to read are sports books i do read a lot of christian non-fiction obviously the authors that are on the show uh, i read a lot of their books and that style of of writing uh, but you read a lot of fiction and uh, has that always been what you loved? And whenever you, I guess, tell us where you got in your your love for reading and what, did it always start with fiction or what was the origin?
1: Well, unfortunately, my parents weren't reading the encyclopedia to me as a child. So yes, it did start with fiction. Um, some of my earliest memories really just involve my parents reading to me as a child. Um, I remember, I mean, my earliest memories are about three and four years old. And I remember reading we had this really big thick blue book and i'm sure my mom still has it and if she doesn't have it one of my cousins or aunts or uncles or somebody has it because we know she can't get rid of anything but it was a, it was a book of fairy tales and of course like you had three little bears in there and there was rumple still was the one i really remember and just the, some of those like more classic fairy tales and i remember her reading that to us when we were kids. And that was just like a really special part of the day for me growing up. And then I have other parts of, you know, my life as a reader, obviously when I learned to read, I think I was about four years old when I learned to read and I learned to read by reading these little books. Um, and for those of you guys who might know what these are, you'll get it, but they're called Bob books. And they were like, these just like really short books. And they would have three letter words in them. Like cat and dog and sit and hop and things like that, you know, and that's, I remember like learning to read that way. And I I feel like, I mean, my mom can probably speak to this better than I can, but I feel like once I started reading, I never really stopped. It was just kind of something that was always a part of my life. It's always been something that's been a constant, even in seasons where, you know, I haven't been able to read as voraciously as as I would like to. I mean, when I think about my childhood and I think about formative moments for me, I think about reading. Um, I think about when my mom would take us to the library. And it's really funny because my brother and I are total and complete opposites. Like he never liked to read. He probably has not read a book since high school, which was what, like 12, 15 years ago. For him. And so, you know, I can't imagine even like a week going by without reading. But I'm sure she took us both to the library. But I just remember <laughs> me going to the library and she would have this blue basket. And um, I think it would just kind of like live in our car. And we'd go to the library. And I remember filling up that blue basket. And I remember thinking, like, okay, we have two weeks and we could check out books and then they would be due in two weeks. And I would get like five, six chapter books. And mom's like, Emily, are you going to read all of these? And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is not enough time. I don't have time to read all of these. And so like, I would still get all the books, even if I didn't read all of them. But I just remember feeling like the library was such a magical place. And what's really funny about that is we live in my hometown. So like the library that I go to now is the same library that I went to as a child. And it's just so interesting how different it feels as an adult. It's still a great place. Don't get me wrong. I don't still use my blue basket when I go there and I still don't get like six books for two weeks because although I am an ambitious reader, I can't read that much. I don't know. Maybe sometimes, but I just remember like having so much joy when i would have a break from school or if i finished my homework or you know if it was the weekend or summer break or something and i would just see how many books i could read
0: did did this like whenever you were in school did did that ever impact your writing like in english classes like, did you ever get creative ideas to where you wrote short stories things like that like I
1: don't even know this <laughs> part of me you don't even know this part of me so this is really funny because I think I've always been a writer too, but I've never considered myself a writer in the way that you have, because it's what you've done for a living and you write in a way that is obviously journalistically motivated. <laughs> um, but I remember spending hours of my childhood, more so like fourth, fifth grade, and I had a laptop and I don't even think it was my laptop. To be honest, I think it was like a family laptop or something, and I would spend hours. I uh, this is such a weird thing. I remember I would sweat. My like body would sweat onto this laptop. <laughs> this is so gross. Because I'd be writing so much. And I have no idea what happened to any of those stories. Oh, no idea what they were about. I'm sure they were excellent. Um but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember writing fiction. I um would enter these short story competitions that were at WKU and I would go and like present my little story and stuff like that. Again, have no idea what any of them were about. Um, but I'm sure again, my mom probably has them somewhere. So my love of reading also was coupled with my love of writing, but I think I've always loved reading more. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. What, what kind of comfort did you get then? And maybe do you get now? when you read a book, because I know like you'll kind of just drift off for hours into a book and you'll get so committed to finishing it. And, and there are some books that like you've literally come out of the bedroom in tears because Mm -hmm. they meant so much to you or you enjoyed them so much. I think the Nightingale was one of them, if I recall. But, but there are some books that have really moved you. But just in terms of like reading in general, I mean, what kind of comfort does reading bring you, especially maybe in seasons where life is tough or you're just going through you know various emotions
1: so i'm going to go back to my childhood with that question again because like when i think about reading so much of the way that i read now was formed because of you know the things i would read as a child so unlike every other millennial ever i'm not into fantasy and I'm not into Harry Potter. <laughs> and I feel like as a reader, when I say things like that, people like look at me like I'm missing my head or something because it's like, oh my gosh, you didn't grow up reading Harry Potter. Because when I was in elementary school, I think I was in first grade when the first book came out, which would have been about 2000, 2001, maybe. And I remember they were like just the thing. And I mean, I, I personally feel like I was too young to read that at that time. I think what what really was a disadvantage to me, which is ironic, was that my reading level was so high. So at like, I don't know, again, my mom would have to verify this. I would say I was probably at a six or seven or eighth grade reading level in like second grade. So I would be trying to read books that were, I don't know, like eighth grade, ninth grade reading level when I was in third grade. And so the content would be so far and above what was probably appropriate for me. Um, and I never really read like super inappropriate books, but I think that's kind of why I didn't read Harry Potter at that time because it felt too mature for me. Um, and I'm almost 30 and I still haven't read them. So it almost feels like it's too late, but that's another conversation. So essentially I didn't really get into the fantasy type stuff that a lot of other people my age did because a lot of my friends and a lot of the people that I know that love to read started reading Harry Potter, the Chronicles of Narnia, those types of books, Lord of the Rings books, those types of books when they were children. And that really cultivated their love of reading because they were these epic stories, you know, like these really cool stories that you could visualize and see in your mind. And I didn't read those kind of stories, but I read others and it felt like a movie to me. And I know that's so funny to say because they literally are like a movie. I mean, reading requires so much more creativity and more imagination than watching a TV show or a movie does. And I think that's why I like it more because you can imagine the characters. You can imagine the story. You can imagine the setting any way you want in your mind. And so that's why it becomes so cool because it's like, oh my gosh, I get to pick up this book and reconnect with these cool people in this awesome setting and try to figure out what's going to happen. And I remember as a kid, some of that looked like in like third and fourth grade, I read the Spiderwick Chronicles, which is hysterical because that is kind of like a little bit fantasy-esque. Um, but I just remember like immersing myself in these things. And I remember There was at one point I was probably in like third grade. And I read it for like seven hours that day, or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, this is like I I remember literally thinking like, okay, this is I'm into this. I like this. This doesn't feel like a chore. This feels like fun. And I think those of you all who are readers will understand that it, it, it's not something that feels like a chore, or at least it shouldn't. And I think that's that's a hard thing for people to understand who aren't readers because so much of the time we talk about reading it's in the setting of school like a school setting and that feels like a chore and i don't want that i don't want that for people yeah
0: it's funny because you you mentioned it being you know more imaginative whenever you read and it feels like a lot of the movies that have come out recently have been based on novels oh everything and there's even like tv shows that have been based on novels so in your opinion which ones have you seen in recent years have done the best job of adapting the book to the movie? Because I know there's a lot of times where readers go see a movie or a show and they're like, oh, that was nothing like the book and that can be disappointing. But uh, I know we've seen some movies recently and uh, TV shows too that have done a good job with it. So in your opinion, which ones can you remember that have stood out to you that, hey, that was really close to the actual book?
1: So um, don't come for me, guys. I didn't love Where the Crawdads Sing. I've read the book twice. I read the book for the first time in, I think, 2019 or 2020, and I enjoyed it. It's a very atmospheric read. It's about a girl who lives in a essentially a swamp in North Carolina. She is abandoned by her parents, and she is considered like the swamp girl. She has to try to raise herself. And she's an outcast. She's ostracized from her community. And so most of the book is just her her thoughts, you know, her trying to live in this in this environment. and but there's also a murder tied throughout, which was really interesting. But I enjoyed the book but didn't love it. The movie was really good. And so I thought they did that really well. So Hello, Sunshine, which is Reese Witherspoon's production company did where the crawdads sing and that came out in 2022 cole and i saw it in theaters and we both thought it was really really good um i think may have cried honestly and i did not cry in the book the book is not emotional um some people may cry but i didn't cry in the book uh and so i thought that was a really really well done one um I'm trying to think of other more recent things that I may have watched.
0: We saw A Man Called Otto, which is based on A Man Called Uva. Yeah. Uh, What did you think of that movie? I haven't read the book, but I've seen the movie.
1: So I hate to say this. Again, I don't want to be a hater, but like I have such reservations with watching things that are books because the book's always better, in my opinion. So we did see that movie and I was very, I don't know, I guess apprehensive about Tom Hanks playing that role because the main character in the book is this very chromogeny man who is extremely unhappy and depressed so much so that he tries to kill himself multiple times in the book. And that sounds extremely morbid, but it's almost like a comical element to it because he continues to fail to do this. So essentially he's grappling with grief and trying to figure out how to live his life without this person that has died. And I thought the movie handled it really well. Of course, since I had read it pretty recently prior to seeing the movie, there were a lot of details that they changed, most notably his name, most notably the location, and they changed a lot of things with some characters and things like that too. But the overall message was very similar, and I cried a lot that one was very good. Um, It was very emotional and I did enjoy the movie. And I think sometimes you just kind of have to go into it knowing like, yeah, they're going to change some details and we have to be okay with that. And we just have to take it for what it is. And so I try to do that a lot of the time because, you know, there are people who see it, who aren't going to read the book, who don't care about the book and are just there to understand and enjoy the story.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know, you're a big fan of the show firefly lane but that's apparently it's not anything like the book from what you said is that i don't know how you could forget about that because it's one of your favorites so was that was that show any different than the book or was it similar at all
1: so should i go ahead and start talking about kristen hannah or like do we need oh. a whole other podcast okay, so Hanna?
0: up here if you're watching on the video somewhere where is it
1: behind you.
0: Section. okay so
1: section right above here, my head Oh my gosh, how can I not do this? This way. All these.
0: Yeah, those are all Kristen Hanna books on the top of this bookshelf. So we got a we have a, a bookshelf behind us in this room. Okay. You got we got it. it. <laughs> but all of these are Kristen Hanna books. Uh that is your favorite, one of your favorite authors. I don't know if it is your I don't know if that is the favorite of yours, but one of them for sure. But Firefly Lane. I'll let you take it away.
1: So Firefly Lane is a historical fiction book. And some people would say it's not historical fiction because it's like the 80s, the 90s, early 2000s, 70s. It it chronicles like multiple decades. Um, But basically, it's a story of female friendship across, across generations, across decades, and pretty much has, I feel like, everything you could ever need. You have found family. You have some romance. You have trauma. You have death. You have like sex and sexuality, you have drugs and addiction. I mean, there's so many things in it. But what I love about Kristen Hanna is an author, and most of you probably know her if you have heard of her from The Great Alone, The Nightingale, um, and then Firefly Lane is a little bit older. It's not too old, um, but she started writing in the early 1990s. So she has about like 30 books, something like that. Um, I've read 14 of them, so I'm not, I've not read all of her books, but I've read all of her most recent books and some of her backlog books. And what I love about her as an author is she is able to cross genres. She's able to cross, um, just like different plots and themes and storylines in a way that is so unique because so many authors just really stick with one thing. And I feel like she started off more of like a, which I didn't even know this was a genre till like this past year, but like a chick lit. So she's writing mostly to women. I know. (laughs) uh (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's, it's just stories that would, we could probably just consider like contemporary general fiction, but more written about women and for women, mostly her stories center on female protagonists and have some element of dysfunction within a relationship. So whether that's a friendship, mother-daughter relationship, a husband and wife relationship, all those types of things, but it's always female characters. And she of course has male characters in there too, but I love a female character. And Firefly Lane was one of my favorites just because it, I mean, it covered such a wide range of time. The characters are incredible. And the story behind it is really like, if you read the author's note at the end, you'll understand why she wrote it because a lot of it was based off of, uh, things that happened with her mom. Um, but you're absolutely right. The show was so different and normally I would be so mad about it, but what was interesting about it is, so I think Firefly Lane is three seasons. They just finished it on Netflix. So it's all out. Um, some people have very strong opinions about it. Some people are very, pro show and some people are very pro book. I loved both personally and I think you can love both. Um you just kind of have to go into it knowing that they're a little bit different. There's major plot lines that are different, but overall it's about their friendship with Kate and Tully and how I mean about forgiveness, about restoration, about healing and about personal growth and identity and I love it.
0: That's awesome. So when did it kind of take a turn for you in terms of like when reading became, I don't know, like I, you haven't always read 130 plus books in right. a year. So like this new level of reading and, and and we'll get to kind of this new community you've found through your Instagram uh, in a little bit. But when did that start? Like, when did you take this turn to where it's like a new level of finding a love for reading?
1: well i mean i think you have to remember too that i was in school for 20 years is that brought right how many i mean i was in school i mean through high school through college and then went to grad school so most of my reading like if i did any sort of recreational reading it was during summer break winter break fall and spring break so i've always been reading just not at the level that I had been the past few years because I had so much homework <laughs> like grad school. I think the years when I was in grad school, I read like eight books in that year. And that's simply because I was reading 500 page textbooks. So I was still reading. <laughs> I was just reading about psychopathology and human and growth and development <laughs> and things like that. I wasn't reading romances or thrillers or historical fiction to the degree that I am now. So if you're asking when the quantity really, really amped up, I would say 2018, 2019, because looking back prior to that, now I only have like recorded documentation of my reading 2016 to now. Um so for those of your listeners who are not readers or like don't know anything I'm just going to kind of address you in that way so you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. So there is this program called Goodreads where you can track your reading. There are many other programs too and I can talk about that too if you're interested, but I started using Goodreads in 2016. So I really only know how many books I've read per year since 2016. So, I mean, prior to that, I was reading for sure, but I have no idea like the quantity of how much I was reading before that, because I didn't write it down. So 2016 to now, I was pretty much averaging around like 40 to 50 books a year. So again, reading more than the average, I think the average for most people is like less than five books a year, (laughs) which, you know, is like, what, one every two, three months.
0: That's like two weeks worth for you, I feel like.
1: What five? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that oof, that'd be a dry spell. Um, but yeah, so I mean, comparative to the average person, I've always read more than that. But it to me, it's not really about how much I'm reading, just about like what I am reading and if I'm enjoying it. Um, so definitely since 2016 it's it's picked up. Um, uh, but from 2016 to 2019, I was in grad school. So it was lower, you know? And then since 2019, it's been 50 or more a year. And then it's been definitely more since I started my book Instagram.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Just for the people that are listening that like, I know reading is not for everybody. Not everybody will want to read nearly as much as you or other people do. But uh, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about was just like how to get into reading if this is something that you want to and maybe even just like some encouragement for people that maybe you're looking for a new hobby you know i know like reading was one of those things you had to do in school and i taught english for five years i get it it was always kind of a hard sell to some students to get into even books that i just feel like are super important And, and you know even classic american literature it was hard to get students to really get into that because you're competing with technology you're competing with television shows you're competing with their cell phones so it is hard to get especially young kids i feel like to get when they get into teenage years if they haven't developed a habit of reading it's hard to to get them into doing that they kind of have to discover it on their own and decide they want to do it but i don't know what would be some suggestions that you would give to people on how to
1: get into it well first off i want to say that reading doesn't have to be your hobby like you can read you can be a reader without being a reader. (laughs) Like, I mean, I I think you could probably say the same thing about watching sports. Like you can watch sports without that being like your entire life or (laughs) your entire identity or anything like that. Like there are some people, and I know, you know, people like in your life where it's like, Oh, I have all my sports memorabilia or I'm always wearing a Jersey or I'm always going to games. Like I'm sure there's people that go to every single game that they, that they, for the team that they love. But just because you watch you know, sports every now and then doesn't mean you don't like sports. So I feel like it's the same thing for reading. So like I said earlier, I don't think it's as much about how much you read is like, are you reading? Like, is that something that you want to get into? And if the answer is yes, then you're a reader and that's totally fine. You can read five books a year and be a reader. Um, But what's really important to consider is just like, what do you enjoy? Um, Because, you know, if you We're going to watch a show, you probably wouldn't want to watch a show within a genre that you didn't enjoy. Or you probably wouldn't want to watch documentaries if you hated documentaries, or you wouldn't want to watch a scary movie if you hated scary movies. I mean, I hate scary movies. So like, I'm not going to spend time doing that. So the number one piece of advice I would have for somebody who wants to read is to find a subject that you enjoy. So if you're like, oh, I really want to read horror books, go read horror books. That's great. I personally, like I've read a few and I don't mind them, but I also like to sleep at night. So I don't (laughs) want to, I don't want to read something that's going to terrify me to what be able to sleep. Um, So when you think about what you enjoy watching or what you enjoy consuming, whether that be videos or um, I mean, anything, because I mean, even if you're not reading books, like you might read an article, you might see something on the internet, might read into something and think like, okay, like, that was interesting. You know, what do I want to learn more about? Because I mean, essentially reading is learning. Whether you're reading fiction or nonfiction, you are learning. You are learning through somebody else's experience. You are learning about a subject that you may not have a lot of knowledge on. And you are expanding not only your imagination, but your knowledge. And I think that that's the coolest part of it. And especially if it's something that is interesting to you, it doesn't feel like you're learning. It doesn't feel like you're you're doing something um, that requires a lot of effort from you. It's something that can be enjoyable. So yeah, find something you find to be enjoyable.
0: Yeah. And I would even add to that, just from my perspective, I really like listening to books and you can listen to an audio book and that you're still consuming the book. And so a lot of the times my preferred way of reading is to actually listen to the book while i read it because i get so distracted whenever i read the physical book but if i listen to it and then i can hear the person's voice and follow along i just remember it better and this is why i like nonfiction books because a lot of the time the author who wrote that is the one who reads it and there's something about reading an author's words in their own voice that is just really special and so i really love whenever i have the opportunity to do that and I I'm really big into sports, especially baseball. And so I will listen to a lot of baseball books every summer. I try to find one good baseball book to listen to. And the good thing about those is they usually are written by journalists. And so they're in the style of writing that I already am familiar with and like, and they also are very explanatory and, and pretty long. And so it's something that I can really dig into. Like the one that I'm currently listening to is 13 hours long on audio. Now I have it sped up a little bit, so it'll probably be closer to 10. But that's like a long time that you get to invest and really be into it. And it's, it's in a way, it's like watching kind of a multi episode series because each chapter is about something new. Uh, So, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, I I don't know. I think listening to books, you know, you can go on a walk and listen to it. Uh, You can be working out, cleaning the house, doing whatever and and listen to books. And I know that you listen to a lot of books too. What what do you want to add about audiobooks?
1: Well, I think it's a really good point because, um, I personally have never heard this from anyone directly. And I'm very grateful because if you said this to me, I am going to hurt you. Listening to audiobooks is reading. Reading audiobooks is reading. And I have had. I have had.
0: People have said the opposite. Yes. There are
1: people who truly believe that audiobooks are not a form of reading. And you're absolutely right. If you consume that information in any form, that is reading. And it's pretty it's honestly like you know ableist if we think otherwise because essentially what we're saying is the if if we're saying that the only form of reading is reading with your eyeballs then we're excluding a vast majority of the population that that's something that they're not able to do um for example, my father is legally blind so his only ability to consume books is is through listening to audiobooks. And so I'm so grateful that we have that as an option, like Cole said, for, for those of us who might be doing things and that might be an option, but also for people who that's their only way to be able to read. And so that's really important that we are able to access that. And my grandmother too, my grandmother has macular degeneration and she's losing her eyesight and She honestly can't even really see her iPad to be able to use the audiobook, but that is something that she can consume and see in her mind in a way that she can't even really view the TV anymore. Um, So, you know, listening to books is, is her greatest form of entertainment in this season of her life. And I'm so happy to share that with her. Audiobooks have always been a passion of mine too. This is hysterical because I think back now and think about how far we've come, like, with this form of technology, you know, like I remember getting CDs from the library. Actually, I think I honestly remember, feel like I re- remember getting cassettes. If if I'm that old, I can't remember. Um, I mean, I remember having cassettes, but I can't remember if I had books on cassette. I know for sure we had CDs and we would get them from the library. And I know some people who would get them Cracker Barrel too. Yeah, I was like, hello, was cracker, cracker Barrel. barrel yeah. I think. On tape
0: from Cracker. Oh, I mean, I did books on
1: tape tape until probably like no. I mean, I think I did books on tape till twenty. I'm I'm gonna say like 2013 to be honest. 2013, 2014, until I came upon all the various apps that we have. So I'm gonna give you guys like a little tiny snippet of information for those of you who might be interested in audiobooks because, like Cole said, this is a really good way to be introduced to reading. And what I love, I love hearing that people listen to audiobooks with their kids, because I think that's a really awesome thing to do. Like if you're in the car or, you know, if you're doing something around the house, like that's, that's a great way for everybody to take in a story. Um, But you can do this in so many different ways. You know, I I talked, I, I'm a mental health therapist for those of you guys who don't know. And I recommend books because yes, I do also read nonfiction. You keep saying I read fiction, but I do also read nonfiction and i will recommend books to my clients relatively frequently and most of the time when i read nonfiction i do like to listen to them better um now there are times where it is really nice to have the book if you want to highlight some stuff if you want to you know bookmark it if you want to remember it for the future but there is nothing like listening to a book in the narrator or in the author's voice and you know getting to hear from their perspective and sometimes it's really cool and i think this is the future to be honest with you i'm calling it now is that audiobooks are going to be an immersive experience. We're seeing this more and more now. Like Malcolm Gladwell started this. Um and a lot of other authors that I've listened to have tried to make it more of a interactive experience. I know a lot of my fantasy friends, fantasy reader friends um have loved A Court of thorn and Roses, those that book series. Um and they're like graphic type novels. Um, they're not graphic novels, they're actually really, really thick novels, but they um they have them in audio and they're like you can hear the wind and you can hear, you know, like the things in the background, and that's really, really cool. So I love when audiobooks do that. So there's lots of different ways to access audiobooks, and we have lots of options. I think that people just don't know the options. So when I talk to my clients about that, I'll be like, okay, if you have a library card. You have access to audiobooks, so there's hundreds of thousands of audiobooks, and it of course, depends off on your library that you use. But the most common apps for that are going to be Libby and Hoopla. So Libby has audiobooks and eBooks, and that's mostly what I listen to on. Um, you can get books for the library, just like you would a normal book, and you can get eBooks that you can read on your Kindle or tablet in just the same way and what's so amazing about that is like it's free first off i think that's great it's accessible to everyone which you know is is a great thing and shouldn't be a problem but if for some chance for some reason your library doesn't have a book that you want available there are other apps that you can choose or if you're like i just can't wait until this book becomes available if it's already checked out um i'm sure a lot of people are familiar with audible Audible is owned by Amazon, um, and you can get a membership memberships vary from like $10 to $15 a month. And you can determine however many books you want to get in that period of time. Um, it is a little bit more of a costly thing because you can't get like unlimited books. You know, you can only get, I think ours is $15 for one book a month. And so for some people that's just not in their budget, uh, but it is something to consider. And then there is Scribd. Is that how you say it? Scribd? Think Scribd. Scribd. I have never used Scribd. What's your experience with Scribd, Ben?
0: I, it, very brief. I didn't use it for very much. Most of the time, if I listen to a book, I use Audible. Uh, but to, real quick, I was just thinking, I mean, you were talking about the, the audiobook, our audiobooks being immersive experiences. I noticed that recently when I listened to, it was a book called Adorning the Dark by Andrew Peterson. Oh, yeah. He's a musician, but really, in my opinion, is just a incredibly creative person all around he he has amazing artwork as well but what was really cool about that was he's talking about his uh, process of creating songs and on the audiobook you know where in the book he would be saying the lyrics and in the, the audiobook he's actually playing it with the guitar and singing it and it was that really was a cool experience and then just as an english teacher there were certain books that like a lot of times i would play the audio for my classes because i knew that so many of my students would days off um, they would, you know, have their, their phone, they they have the book up, but they have their phone there. They wouldn't really be reading. And I would try to vary it out to where we do some reading, but also listening, but I would play the audio books for some kids, especially ones that were really, really good. And they, some of them have really good productions and like, they'll, yeah. they'll have, you know, music and almost as if you're like watching it on a stage or watching it on a TV show where there's extra production to it. Yeah. It's not just somebody reading the words, there's, you know, a lot more production to it. So mm-hmm some fiction books and and even nonfiction, but really with fiction, they do a really, really good job with it. So but to answer your question with Scrib, not a ton of experience. Most of the time I have used Libby, uh, but the majority of the time it is uh, through Audible.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to make sure to cover all of them, too, for for those who are interested. Um, There's also one that I have enjoyed using and it's called Libro FM. And what's really cool about that platform is it's about the same price as Audible. It's not owned by Amazon and it's really focused on independent booksellers. Um, So you can pick whatever bookstore you want and a portion of your membership goes to support that local bookstore. So I think that's really cool um, because we don't want literature to ever go away. Like we don't want books to not be available to people. We do not want
0: to live in a Fahrenheit 451
1: Uh world. I know. and For many I,
0: reasons, but yeah, books being gone.
1: Absolutely. I well, and I think like if we take away books, we take away individual freedom. If we take away books, we take away. I mean, this sounds really. What's what's the word? Uh, like a hyperbole, I guess, in a sense, we take away the future. And I know that sounds like really dramatic. The word um, you're
0: looking for was hyperbolic.
1: Hyperbolic. Thank you. <laughs> um, I should know words, you know. Uh, But I mean, honestly, I think it's so great that as technology continues to grow, we still are reading, you know, we're still reading books. Like we could be reading a book that came out 200 years ago on a piece of technology that didn't exist 15 years ago, you know, and that's really cool that we can, we can be listening to these things. We could be reading it on our tablets or we could be reading a physical book. And, you know, I love all formats of books for different reasons. And so I just think it's really cool that we have those options, especially for people who, you know, prefer one method over the other, like all of these methods are still reading. So just because you don't read physical books, like you don't pick up a physical book doesn't mean you're not a reader or just because you don't listen to audiobooks, doesn't mean you're not a reader or just because you don't read on a tablet or something doesn't mean you're a reader. So what's really cool about reading in general is that. We get to customize it and we get to make it whatever we want it to be.
0: Beautifully said. So, I want to move on and talk about your reading Instagram that you have, and then also let you give some recommendations for books to read this summer. uh, I guess, which will kind of double as some of your favorite books that you've read in 2023. But uh, a couple years ago, Emily started. An Instagram where she basically uh, is devoted to rating and, and reviewing books but I'll let you kind of describe the origin of that and how that came to be and then I, I it is from my perspective it has been a very fruitful and beneficial thing for you to network you've met some really awesome people and you could even talk about the trip you went on last year with some people uh it, it has been a good community for you and especially you know the first couple of years that we lived here we didn't know a lot of people and I think you know, for me, like this podcast was a good thing to to talk to people. I think for you in the last couple of years, it's been good for you to meet other people that have a very similar, strong passion. Uh, and like, you know, I play fantasy baseball. I I talk with other people that are big into sports. So it's, it's just good to have people to talk with that share the same interests. And I know you're in a book club here in town, but this is uh, a little bit different. So just talk us through like the origin of this, this, account. I guess, first Share with us your handle and then how this how this all came to be.
1: Okay. So I really hope there are some people who are listening to this that actually follow me on my book Instagram and are here to hear about the here to hear, here to hear about this. I guess that's that's right. Um, because that just feels like a full circle moment to me. So obviously I read a lot and one might say I'm always reading. So my Instagram is M's Always Reading. So E M S always reading. And my name is Emily. So M is just a nickname. And that's what I shortened it to because I wanted it to be a derivative of my name so that people could remember like, okay, this is a person and this is what's happening. Of course, Emily is a super common name. So I tried to come up with a handle that had my name that didn't have a bunch of letters or numbers or, you know, weird things in it and was pretty easily recognizable. So I started my book Instagram in 2021, uh, in the fall of 2021 at the encouragement of Cole. Actually, I had no idea bookstagram was even a thing. Like it wasn't something I followed. It wasn't something I knew existed. I've just always been talking about books, but the thing that stinks is that most of my friends in real life aren't avid readers. I mean, I have some friends that read occasionally, but I would talk about reading and it was like crickets, you know, like, it's like, if you're really, really excited about something and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell this person about this thing. And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, and I mean, you, you read some, but obviously not like I do, not the same kind of books I do. And so I think part of the insistence may have been so that I could talk with books about other people rather than, you. but that's, you know. Just putting that out there. It
0: wasn't that I didn't enjoy it. I just felt like I, I didn't have as much to offer you as I thought maybe others would. Like, I loved hearing about your books. I just, like you said, I don't read the same books. And so I just, you know, it was kind of like a proverbial smile and not like, yeah, like that's great. Like I'm happy for you, it, but it's like, I just, I hadn't read it. And so I couldn't connect with you on that in the same way that like, you know, if we watch the same TV show, that's different. But like, you know, I just thought maybe there's people out there that are reading the same things that would want to hear your takes on this too. And then you were putting book reviews on your personal account and you were kind of just like, do you think I'm bothering people? And I was like, I don't think you're bothering people It's your own account. You can do whatever you want. But I was like, maybe because I I toyed with that for a while where I would put, you know, some stuff from this podcast on its own account, uh, not to the degree that you've done with your reading one. But yeah, it was just kind of this idea of like, are my, the people in my personal life caring about this hobby of mine? Uh, that's always, I think a risk that you run whenever you do anything creative or a hobby base and you try to share it, that's a whole other conversation for another day. Um, side note, support your friends and their hobbies, especially if they're creative, because they're going out on a limb to really share their, their work with you. Um, so that's an aside, but nonetheless, I, I, yeah, I I think it was, it was a good choice for you and, um, I don't, I'll let you pick up from there, but I think. Yeah. I, it wasn't that I didn't want to hear about your books. I just didn't have as much to offer as I thought maybe others would.
1: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I'm grateful for that suggestion because like I said, I didn't know it existed. So like you mentioned, I was posting book reviews. Like every book I would read, I would, you know, kind of type up a little synopsis and post that to my Instagram story on my personal account. And some people would interact. Most people did not, of course, because like, not all my followers or all the people that I followed read, which is totally fine. Um, And so it felt like, okay, maybe there's this subsection of the internet that's into reading. Surprise. There's a huge (laughs) section of the internet that's reading. Huge, like massive. I mean, they're not all following me, but like they exist. (laughs) And I was so surprised. So like, I, you know, kind of thought about what I want my handle to be and thought about like, kind of what I wanted for this page. And then I started it and I started following accounts like, okay, well I'll follow read with Jenna and I'll follow Reese Witherspoon's book club. And I'll follow those types of accounts. And then, you know, maybe, maybe I'll follow some people. Maybe some other people are posting about this and maybe other people talk about reading too. And then of course it's like, wow, how do I narrow this down? There's so many people that talk about this. There's so many people who read people who read way more than I read um and you know who read different kinds of books that i read and then there's a lot of people who read similarly to what i read which is really cool and i think that there's something to be said about finding your people i think drew holcomb would agree with that um but he has a song called find your people (laughs) um but you know i think there's something to be said about finding people who have a common interest with you. And I think we all need that. It it doesn't just have to be a hobby. It could be with your career. It could be, you know, your friends. It could be people that you're already doing life with already. But I think there's just something really cool about finding people who are like, oh my gosh, you know what that is. I know what that is too. And like being able to talk about that. And I think the best part of doing this has been meeting people. And so I've really, really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. And it really took off. Like, I know it was kind of slow at first, you were kind of discouraged. Like, I I don't know, maybe there was a time or two where you were like, weren't sure if you wanted to keep going with it. Um, But then like, you just started meeting people. And then you met some people that are somewhat local. And then last fall, you got to take a trip. And I'll let you describe this. I don't want to take too much away it. but you got to take a trip and meet a lot of people in person. Um, And honestly, from my perspective, this was like, the most well organized, Well thought out event that I have ever heard. Like it was incredible. Uh, it was just it was really thoughtful, and it seemed like you had a really good time. I'm really glad that you went. Uh, but yeah, just kind of share about that how how it started to really become more of a community for you, and then that trip as well.
1: Yeah. So I honestly thought that when I started this account, it was going to be like me and twenty people. (laughs) I was like, oh, my mom's going to follow me, and maybe some of her friends, and then maybe like you know, some of my friends who don't really care about reading and then maybe some like grandmas on the internet that care about reading or something. And it's truly not about the numbers. Um, but like, I have been so pleasantly surprised by the, by the people who follow me. And I've actually had instances in the past few months where people have come up to me like, are you Emily? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I follow your book Instagram. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I famous? Like, is this, have I made it? Um, (laughs) and honestly,
0: like what in Nashville, like Happened in Nashville. She was at a some kind of a pop-up event for Carly Jean Los Angeles and somebody walked up and they were, did they, did they ask you by your, did they say, are you M's always reading? No, she said, Definitely. Okay. yeah, That'd be awesome. They were like, are you M's always reading?
1: Yeah, I am. But yeah, I mean, that also happened like here locally, which is even funnier because like I didn't expect people locally well, to find me. Class. Yeah. It happened at Pilates. Like I expected it to be more of like, cause I mean, there's people from all over the world, you know, that who have these accounts. So I expected it to be more like, Oh, I'm never going to run into these people. Nobody's going to know me. Um, I don't like post where I live or what I do or like all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, somebody in my Pilates class one day looked over at me and was like, are you Emily? And I straight up thought she was going to be like, oh, you know, I know your mom, I know your dad, like my mom was a teacher. So I, I totally thought it was going to be a local connection. And she was like, I follow your book, Instagram. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's just, I think that is the coolest part is just connecting with people, especially people that I wouldn't know otherwise. And I mean, that's really cool locally, but it's also cool to just meet people in a way that you would never otherwise. So what you had mentioned was I went on this reading retreat, which is hysterical to say, because when I told people that they were like, so what are you going to do? Just like go somewhere and read for the whole weekend. And I was like, I mean, don't tempt me because that sounds like an excellent weekend. Um, but unfortunately we actually didn't do that much reading. Um, but we was, gosh, I think about like 12 of us and we went and rented a house in Connecticut uh, which I had never been to. Most of the girls that I went on this trip with lived in New England, so it wasn't as far of a trip for them. But yeah, like you mentioned, it was so well organized. It was so thoughtful. We got to go to a independent bookstore. We got to play a lot of fun, like bookish type games, and um, it was just really, really cool to meet people who you follow on the internet who were once strangers to you. And then to make that connection and to like bridge that gap from being strangers to being friends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She was texting me while she was there. And like, they even went so far as to like check with Emily about like dietary restrictions and like made all these meals and like had a chef there and like made these meals. And like, it, I was kind of jealous. Like it was like, <laughs> it was honestly like, it was like better preparation. Than what i've heard most people have for like their bachelor or bachelorette party and so so i it was it was pretty awesome not gonna lie uh, okay so you have some books here in front of you um but it is the middle of june and i know a lot of people maybe will be going on vacations they'll be traveling heading to the beach uh heading elsewhere maybe just hanging out you know in your yard or, or in a hammock somewhere but whatever you're going to be doing Finding a spot to read a book. Emily's got some suggestions for places to read those. Or not not necessarily places to read those, but books to read wherever you are, I should say. All that to say, <laughs> summer book suggestions <laughs> from Emily.
1: A very specific place. No, you can read wherever you want. Um, I so- would say that one
0: of them needs to be read in a specific place. <laughs> so
1: so that's a, that is a, uh, again, what's the word? um, misnomer, misnomer, maybe. Yeah. Because it's not quite what you think it is. So I have five books in front of me and I could go on with a million others, but I picked all these books because I loved all of these. Now you mentioned summer reads and I'm of the belief that anything can be a summer read because summer reads hit different. You can be on the beach reading. I don't know about anatomy. And it would probably be more interesting than if you were in your, in your home. I think
0: I'm just thinking summer reads because you mentioned like you were in school for a lot of your life. This is when you did a lot of reading. There might be people that are in school or parents who like they're going on vacations with their kids. I don't know. Something about like the months of of June and July feel like even now that I'm out of education, that still feels like, oh, it's the summer break. And this is like when you do things that you don't normally do. So that's why I say like potentially summer reads and I don't know, hanging out by the pool more, you know, hanging out in the lake, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, so I have a few of those. And then I have a few that are my top reads of of 2023. Um, so we're about halfway through the year. At this point, I've almost read 75 books. Um, <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, I'm planning to finish one tonight. And that'll be my 75. I like started but... 75
0: haven't finished them. Okay,
1: but... it doesn't matter how many books you read. All it matters is that you're having fun. Okay. But Um, I the more I read, the more I become a little harsher on books. So anyway, I'm just I'll just preface it with that. So just because I'm not mentioning a book here doesn't mean I didn't love it. And just because I'm mentioning these doesn't mean that these are the only books that you could read or like anything like that.
0: For full reviews and exhaustive reviews, visit M's Always Reading on Instagram.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So first and foremost, I want to start with one of my favorites. Um, This is a book I read, I think two or three years ago, and this is a perfect book for this time of year. You could read it at any time of year, honestly, Um, but this is a romance it's called beach read. And I'm sure like every person's heard of this book. If you haven't go to Barnes and Noble, it'll be right there. Um, and this is by Emily Henry. or your
0: local independent bookstore, please
1: go to your local independent bookstore. But for those of us who don't have one, go to your Barnes Noble. Um, so I got this copy for those of you guys who can see this on our trip in Switzerland. And so what I really am excited about is because a lot of books have different covers in the UK. So like in Europe, um, this is the UK version of beach read, which is such a pretty cover. Um, and I plan to reread this, this summer because I read it a few years ago and I don't think I read it during the summer. So I'm really excited to read this one, hopefully on our beach trip, but this one is the misnomer because yes, it does take place on a beach. So it's not necessarily fully a misnomer, but it actually takes place on a Lake in Michigan. So we're not thinking tropical. We're not thinking Florida, Florida. Again, you can read this wherever you want, but just go into this knowing that it's not like a like a tropical beachy type climate. So what's really awesome about this book is there's a lot of great themes in it, but it's a romance, but it's, it's more of an emotional romance. I tend to enjoy emotional romances more than like a rom-com. Don't get me wrong. I love a good rom-com, but this one features two writers. So one is a writer of romance books. And one is a, like a serious literary fiction writer. And they're kind of like worst enemies toward each other. And essentially they go to write their next book and they both are experiencing writer's block. And so they're having a really hard time writing their next book. So they make an arrangement. I'm going to write a book in your genre, and you're going to write a book in my genre. And we're going to see who writes the best book. And so the the serious guy has to write this like, romance book that he feels like is so silly and fluffy. And the girl has to write, I think if I remember correctly, he was like more of like a, like a, not F Scott Fitzgerald, but like, you know, just like a classic type author who takes things very seriously. And it's like, okay, if anything's outside of this genre, it's not good enough. So of course, lots of fun happens in the pages and they have to kind of get over their get over their (laughs) issues that they have with each other. Um, it also explores like grief and um all that kind of stuff, but it's really, really good. I loved it. I would recommend that to anyone. I had my mom read it and she loved it too. Another one of my favorites that I read in a day, and I usually like when I read a book in a day, it's usually a thriller or something really fast paced. And this one's a romance too. This is called Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren. And what I loved about this book is this felt like nostalgia in a book for me. And when I can read a book where I don't feel like I'm reading is the epitome of reading for me. Like it's just like this is the penultimate experience that I could ever have because it just feels like I'm having a good time.
0: <laughs> just want you to know as an English teacher that you used penultimate incorrectly. Penultimate. <laughs> penultimate means the second to last.
1: oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. what did I mean?
0: Like the pinnacle. No, pinnacle. No.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I told you I read a lot, but I don't know a lot of words. I'm honestly firmly of the belief that the more educated you are, the dumber that you become. So I
0: I didn't say that to make you feel dumb. I just know that people that are are listening may have been like, that's not what penultimate means. It's just, it's in my innate nature to be like, that's not what that means. It's okay. I'm that guy.
1: But honestly, I'll let you know too, if you have a Kindle, what's great about reading on a Kindle is you can click on a word and it'll tell you the definition of the word. So you're so you'll use the word correctly from there on out because I've learned several words this week just from reading the book that I'm reading. But back to the book that I was describing. Love and Other Words is a second chance romance. It's a childhood romance where these two kids, uh, Macy and Elliot, grow up near each other at this cabin, and they are like that's really weird. Sim- I played
0: tennis growing up with a girl named Macy Elliott.
1: Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) okay. Honestly, it says on the back here that she's a, he's a bookish friend. So that's probably why I liked it too, but they're just like childhood friends and they, you know, spend their summers together and then they fall in love as they get older. And this big thing happens that separates them. And years later, when she returns back, um, to their hometown, and they run into each other, they have to kind of navigate their relationship. And I'm doing a pretty poor job of describing it. But ultimately, this is probably my favorite romance of all time. Like I said, I read this in a day. And as I was reading it, I just truly felt like if I could, if I could write a romance, this is what I would write. If I could recommend one, this is what I would recommend to anyone. It's relatively clean. Um, There's no like vulgar scenes or anything like that. And it's just a really good comforting read. And I read this one in the pool last year. So you could totally read this on the beach or any fun summer setting. Okay. So then the next three that I want to talk about are different genres. And these are so far for 2023, I would say these are my top books.
0: I assume all five of these books were five star books for you.
1: Um, I would say this one is a 4.5. I have some other five star reads that I could have talked about
0: this one. You're pointing to one that you haven't talked about yet. Okay. Yeah.
1: But I wanted to give people a little bit of a variety. Okay. I don't want to like only recommend one genre. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next book is we could consider this a coming of age story or simply just general literary fiction. So this is a character-driven story. It's called Adelaide. This came out just a few months ago. Um, this is a debut novel that released in I should be saying who the authors are. This is by Genevieve Wheeler. You said the other one. Okay, good. The I was gonna say, I keep, can't. I keep forgetting that people can't see this. Um, or if you know, if you're listening, you can't see it. Um, so Adelaide is a coming of age story, and it is a woman, an American girl who lives in London. And she's basically just trying to navigate her twenties. She deals with a lot of mental health struggles and there's some heartbreak. There's loss, there's grief, there's death, and, um, essentially a search for self-identity and discovery amidst all these other things. So yes, there's an element of romance, but this is not a romance. This is truly a self-exploration, self-discovery story. And as a person in her late twenties, entering her thirties, this book was so so good because it, it, it's basically like, what does it mean to learn to be an adult and how do I navigate these things, these really, really hard things, not just like, you know, how do I have a job and how do I, you know, pay bills and that kind of thing, but just, you know, how do I deal with depression? How do I deal with uh, suicidal ideation? Like what happens when I lose somebody I love? What happens when um, I have to make a really hard decision? And I don't know how to make that decision. And is just so beautifully written. And so I have a feeling that this is, no matter how many more books I read for the rest of this year, this is going to be in the top. Um, I actually listened to this one on audio and as Cole can uh, attest, I love to buy books that I listen on audio to have for my shelf. Because I mean, again, if you can see this, this is a beautiful cover. He does the same thing. Don't even get, don't even. No,
0: she also oh. listens to books on audio at like breakneck speed. No, I don't know how she even hears them. They're so fast. It, it, it sounds like another language. Like I, I honestly, I don't know how she processes
1: seven, five speed. I know people who listen at three times speed. So that's really not that big of, big of a difference, but yes, everybody listens at different speeds and that's okay. But I listened to this one on audio and it was excellent. So if you need an audiobook recommendation, I would go with this one and, um, Yeah. I just, I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. So that is a one that I would recommend to most people. Now, again, be cautious. There are some trigger warnings in that. Like i mentioned, there is some suicidal ideation and there is some mental health stuff in there that if that is a concern to you, just proceed with caution. Okay. So the next book I want to talk about is a thriller. And this also released in 2023, it's called all the dangerous things by Stacey Willingham. And I got the pleasure of meeting Stacy a few months ago at one of my favorite local bookstores in Nashville and let me see, and she signed it and it was so cool to meet her because, um, she has written two books. This is her second book and they're both based in like the Savannah Charleston area, which we love that area. So it's really fun to read her books. Um, and what I also love about her books is that there are, there are so much depth to them and there's so many themes that you maybe wouldn't necessarily expect in a thriller. So this one is about a woman whose child is kidnapped. And again, I want to pay attention to that trigger warning. If that may be difficult for you, if you have young children, um, but her child is kidnapped and th- they have no idea where this child is. And so for the past year, she has been struggling with insomnia. She's up all hours of the night. She like literally hasn't slept in a year. So she's basically trying to navigate these questions of like, what actually happened? You know, am I so sleep deprived that I, you know, like she's questioning, did I do something to this child? Did something happen with me knowing this? She doesn't really know. And um, there's some really interesting and psychological type elements in this book that I found to be really fascinating. Um this is a book that I'd recommend to pretty much everybody. It's not it's not gruesome, it's not horror or anything like that. It's just a really good like domestic fast-paced thriller. And then the last one, we're going to have to have a lot of trigger warnings for because it is is very <laughs> disturbing. So, I would say this is my my favorite read of 2023. It's called the last housewife by Ashley Winstead. She is fantastic. I've read all of her books. She's another amazing author that can cross genres. She has two thrillers out and two romances out. And I'm always super, super, super impressed with authors that can write thrillers and romances because those feel like two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, so I am really into, psychology, obviously, as a person within the mental health field. And this this book, interestingly enough, is about a true crime podcast. So this woman finds out that this girl that she went to school with and that she was really close with died and was murdered while listening to a true crime podca- podcast. And she starts to investigate this because she's she's thinking that something shady really happened. And so come to find out, this person as well as other people are a part of this cult and there are some more graphic details in this book as nature of of the cult's existence and things like that. It wasn't something I felt like I couldn't handle and I have a relatively weak stomach and, and everything like that. It's not like I don't know so but I just want to create that little warning for people in case they you know don't like more dark or disturbing things. Um, I loved it because I did not find it predictable. I found it to be engaging. I kept reading. I didn't want to stop reading. I really just kept wanting to find out what happened. Um, And nothing has shocked me as much as this one did this year. So this is probably, I mean, again, I know we still have half the year left, but so far this is still my top read and Adelaide would probably be a close second. So those are my five here that I'm going to recommend to people and so we have some options of general fiction, thriller and romance.
0: Well, great. Thank you for sharing your suggestions. Um, Thanks for coming on. This is fun.
1: Um, This was so much fun.
0: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, just the, the final question that I always love to ask people, which I feel like I know the answer to this. When you want to relax, What do you do? (laughs) I wonder what you do to relax these days Emily.
1: you know, I just, I don't have any hobbies, so it's tough. Um, reading, honestly, honestly reading. And I know that's, that sounds lame after having this entire conversation, but there's something about escaping into a book, finding comfort in knowing that like, you know what, I don't have to figure out what's happening here. I don't have to solve anyone's problems. I don't have to help anyone with anything. I can just see how the story unfolds. And and I think that's my favorite part about reading is that it doesn't demand anything of me. I just get to enjoy it.
0: That's a good answer. You've been getting into other stuff lately, though, like Pilates and...
1: That's not uh, how I slow down. <laughs> true, true. I just... Yeah,
0: true. True. You can't be in a hurry
1: while you're reading.
0: Unless you listen to it at like 3x speed like well, you do, so you listen to it pretty dang at fast. fast
1: at half that speed. There are
0: times though, where you're like, I've got to get through this book. I got to get to this book.
1: Well, it's you gotta... <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's fair. Well, Emily, thank you for coming on to the show. Obviously you live in the same house as me. So whenever you want to come on, I'm sure we can find a way to have you on the show, but nonetheless, nonetheless, it was fun to talk about reading fun to uh, hear you. Like you can just hear the joy that you have about reading whenever you talk about it. And I think people that are listening to this will be able to, to tell that as well. So hopefully if you're listening, you will uh, go out, check out these books, definitely check out Emily's Instagram at emsalwaysreading. always uh, reading. I'll put that in the show notes. You can check that out uh, down there and yeah, give her a follow, let her know that you heard her on the show because I know she would really appreciate that. And truly like, it's not, like you said, it's not about the numbers. It's really just about like connecting with people. And so if you are an avid reader, Uh, There are a lot of people that you can follow that that do very similar things to Emily, but uh, I I know the the work that Emily puts in to really share the books that she read and the reviews, and she's very very thoughtful. Like it's all genuine. Like she's super thoughtful about it, and really takes time to to be genuine with it. And you know, there's a lot of stuff on social media that is not genuine, and I, I think it's it's just wholesome. Like it's wholesome good content, and it's genuine. So. If you're into reading at all, or if you're just looking for good book recommendations, Emily is obviously the go-to person in my opinion. So give her a follow. That's all I've got. Anything else?
1: Um, I think you should tell us your favorite book of 2023 so far.
0: That's a good question. The one that I'm currently reading, I am really enjoying it. It's called Winning Fixes Everything. I have not finished it yet. I'm about halfway through, but it is about the rise of the houston astros uh over the last decade really and those of you that are baseball fans are familiar they were um, involved in a pretty egregious electronic sign stealing scandal years ago that uh, led to a world series title essentially they were using technology to steal what the signs of what pitches were coming to them so their hitters basically knew what pitch was coming and when you have elite baseball players like that they basically can take that information and hit a ball over the fence and get hits whenever they want to just about uh so they were essentially cheating uh there's another book that's called cheated that is about specifically that uh that if you want to read more about that but that book has been really good but the best book of 2023 for me has been atomic habits i read that at the start of the year and What was really good about that now i have not stuck to a lot of the things that i read in that book i was in the process of establishing habits when i read that and so i read it when i was going out on a walk every day and that one is so dense there's just a lot to that book that i almost would recommend reading it with it in your hand to take notes i didn't do that i did buy the physical copy so that i could go back and reread it I listened to it and it was great, but there's so much to it. I mean, it is such a good book with just so much science and so much information that it's very easy to forget a lot of it, if you're not actively paying attention to it. So if you're in the mood to get started on habits, you're in the mood to maybe just change some things about the way that you're living. It's a great book to, to do that at the start of a season, whether that's like the start of a school year, the start of a new year, whatever that is, but you can really do it at any time. And and he, he references it a lot in the book. He has a lot of extra resources that are downloadable. So whenever he mentions like a habit tracker, he has one that you can download uh, if you want something like that. So it's a really uh, interactive book that I think he understood that like, this is a book that people are going to really try to use to change how they live. So it's, it's a, it's a bestseller. you probably have seen it at target everywhere else. It's, it's marketed like crazy. So it's probably a book everybody's heard of but atomic habits i finally got a chance to read it would definitely recommend that one so all right well thank you guys for listening and emily thanks for joining me and hope you guys find some time this week to relax and not be in a hurry and we'll see you next time
1: happy reading